Hi, hey, hello, and welcome to another Don't Wash the Jersey Colts Win a Preseason Game Again episode of The Educated Fan. My name is Brandon, and I am joined here by your co-host, my best friend, Andrew Moore. Buddy, uh, it wasn't pretty. But the Colts got another W in preseason, which, you know, at the end of the day, who who much gives a shit? But we got a lot to talk about about that game. Uh, you know, the the, the quarterback play, uh, the defensive line play, uh, and some other things. But uh, how, how's, your, how's your weekend, bud? Weekend was was pretty busy. I was in a golf outing yesterday morning before, before the that. game. Uh didn't yeah me and my cousin had a golf outing didn't do great didn't do terrible ended up middle of the pack and honestly for not golfing for two months that's pretty we were pretty happy with that um and then got to got to see my niece and nephew for a little bit and then nice. uh, cover the game and it was it was pretty it was a pretty wild i wouldn't say wild game but definitely definitely some interesting nuggets to take from the game um, that we're going to talk about here uh, how was how's your week been my week's fine i'm uh like full-fledged in training now with my new job. Um, I do nothing but uh, pick on the uh, my coworkers the whole time. So that's fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's fine. My weekend was good. Watching the Colts game yesterday. Watching some UFC fights yesterday. Um, it's a good time. Uh, real quick, just wanted to give a little shout out to our girl Kay. Uh, these are the cups that she made us. Um, and she's got a Facebook page called Every Cup Begins with K, with a K and cup and a K and K, K-A-Y. Uh, but, yeah, she makes other stuff. You can see on the screen here some uh, American flag-type cups. Uh, up here we got a Notre Dame cup that's really cool. So um, she makes all sorts of stuff. She loves doing it. So if you go to her Facebook page, Every Cup Begins with K, make sure to let her know we sent you over if you buy something from her. Um, but, yeah, thanks a lot, K. Now, let's talk preseason game, Andrew. Uh, right off the top here, quarterbacks. Tough day. Tough day for the quarterbacks. Um, I think uh, Ellinger gave Jacob Eason a prime opportunity to, to seal the deal, end this QB competition, um, and then Jacob Eason shits the bed. What did you think about the quarterbacks this weekend? <laughs> yeah, it was a struggle. Uh Ellinger got the start and he played played about a quarter and a half. Uh, there were some things he did well. I mean, obviously the mobility aspect, but it wasn't a good day for for either quarterback. Um, we start out with with Ellinger. I think we'll talk about that. Is is I mean, he had two more interceptions. That makes three in two games. And and when Frank Reich constantly talks about winning the turnover battle, that's that's not winning football right there. And yeah, I know he's a young quarterback and he's he's going to be making some mistakes, but but when you're going up against these tough defenses that the Colts have to face early in the season, that that's not going to work. Right. And in the first one, I don't know. It, it looked, it looked like it was tipped at the line of scrimmage. Frank Reich's today in his it statement was. said it wasn't. Um, and so I'm, well, Frank Reich said it wasn't when he looked at the tape, he said it was all on all on Ellinger on that one. So again, he, whether it was or wasn't, it was a high ball for Paris Campbell gets tipped in, in and intercepted, taken back for a touchdown. And then on his, on his second one, it, it, from the original look, it looked like he was trying to force the ball into Ashton Doolin. Again, the ball gets tipped up in the air, intercepted. Frank Reich today said that there was a miscommunication on that play, and that's partially why that 
that ball was intercepted and it just wasn't in a good spot. But but overall for for Sam Ellinger, it wasn't it wasn't a great outing. And besides, I mean, he was finding Zach Pascal early. Mm-hmm. Was, I think Zach Pascal had a good chunk of his yardage there. But but in that quarter and a half, he was only eight for thirteen for seventy yards with those two interceptions. And then there were some drives where he was able to get the Colts into the reds into scoring territory for for two field goals. But but you got to convert those into from three points into six points. That's one of the main things that, that the Colts have focused on this offseason because it seemed like that was a problem last year. So from Sam Ellinger, he had an opportunity playing with the starters, playing with a higher caliber group of teammates around him to really step up and really feed off of them. And, and he really just didn't yesterday. It's not all about just the better players around him, too. He was playing better defenders um, than he's, he's used to playing in game situations anyway, he's playing a tough-ass defense when it comes to practice every day. Um, but it, it was an opportunity for him to show that it you know it wasn't just him against second and third stringers that was able to perform while he had an opportunity against some first-string guys in the Vikings, which is going to be a good defense again. Um, I think they're a really well-coached defense, so I think I think they're good. But they're probably in their more vanilla coverages, you know, playing – base defenses and whatnot. So the way he looked was not great. Um, I'll tell you right now, I don't care what Frank Reich says. That ball was tipped by a defender uh, at the line of scrimmage. I, they showed a replay. It was clear as day. I mean, there was, there's no question about it. That ball, the first interception was tipped. But he's throwing, he's putting himself in a position, throwing the football where, you know, where a defensive lineman, if they get up and tip it, then that's partially on him. You know what I mean? Offensive linemen can't hold down the arms of the defenders. Um and then the second one, yeah, I just thought it was, I mean, whether that was the first read or, or not, I don't. he wasn't open. He was getting mauled. The receiver was getting mauled. He wasn't open, so it wasn't a smart throw. Um, but, yeah, we expected, I, I kind of expected this out of Sam Ellinger. Uh, it was what followed when Jacob Eason came in that I did not expect. Um, I expected Jacob Eason to kind of carve up this Vikings second and third string guys. Uh, and he kind of struggled too. What did you think about Jacob Eason's performance? Um, because he could have closed the door. He could have closed the door on this QB competition yesterday and he did not. Eason's main problem was just his accuracy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looked very inaccurate. And that, I mean, that was one of the knocks on him was, is he going to be able to shore up his accuracy? And from the very start, it was, it was just Plain and simple, it was bad. I mean, well, first of all, that first pass to to Kylan Granson, Granson's sitting six yards away, yeah, and Eason rockets it to him like he's like he's across the field. The, 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 no need for that. Take some take some velocity off that ball. It's a six yard throw. Should Granson have caught it? Maybe, probably, but still, Eason's got to help him out with that. And then there was another time where he throws it deep. He had, um, I think it was either Jordan Thomas or Farad Green, or maybe even Ashton Doolin deep, and, and he just overthrew him multiple times where where he under threw behind Kylan Granson or Mike Strawn and and he started out two for eight now as as the game went on it seemed like he got a little bit more comfortable and he ended up finishing a little bit better but that inaccurate to start it really killed multiple drives for the Colts and and Again, he wasn't going up against the top flight competition. Right. So that is kind of worrisome when when you're going up against the starting caliber team in, in the Seattle, the starters of the Seattle Seahawks, which the defense is still going to be 
pretty pretty good i would say not maybe not the seattle defense of old but it's still going to be a tough a tough task for for jacob eason possibly to to take on and and when you're throwing it behind your receivers you're not helping your your targets out like that you're, you're bound to struggles and and he knows that i mean he said after the game that that for the most part it was pitch and catch and he just didn't execute so he knows what he's got to do and he's just yeah. gotta gotta look at the film and, and this is kind of what my piece coming out tomorrow is going to be on is is kind of what these guys need to look at in their film study to to really correct those mistakes because they've got one more opportunity in live game action to prove what they can do now is it going to come down to this final game no it's going to be a full the full body of work and and if frank reich was just basing it off of what the what they were going to do against the detroit lions next week that'd be that'd be a terrible decision it needs to be the entire body of work these three preseason games all the practices how they're doing in the meeting rooms different things like that but but these guys really need to focus on what they did wrong sam ellinger throwing it it throwing just careless passes not making the correct reads jacob eason throwing behind and not in or not accurately kind of keeping the velocity at a at a better point in, in throwing it short versus throwing it across the field those are the things that i really want to see from the quarterbacks moving forward and, and what i want to see them do next week against detroit when they have their final opportunity yep. to prove themselves in game action and he got, I mean, Eason got a little better as the as the game went on. You know, just a little more. Mm-hmm. He he seemed real off rhythm when he first came in, um, and then after halftime, seems like he just settled down. The more reps yeah. he had, yeah, yeah. So the thing is, though, like we kept hearing good things about him all week too. Um, you know, and maybe if we could put together a good week of practice this week and then translate that to the game, who knows? But. You know, in reverse of what you said about Sam Ellinger, uh, not really getting it done with the better players around him. Uh, you know, Eason didn't have the guys he, you know, was 100% used to playing with out there with him in, at that point either. Uh, you know, he didn't have Michael Pittman Jr. out there with him as much. Um, I think Mike Strawn and Desmond Patman were both out there a lot, but not much Paris Campbell or um, Zach Pascal. So it, it's hard to say. I mean, I, like I said, I, he settled down in the second half, um, but I was kind of hoping for more out of him after a week of good practice. So who knows? Maybe he puts both together this week. But at this point, I still think we sit in a spot where he hasn't done anything worse than Sam has to put him in a position where I don't think he deserves to be the starter. Um, I still think Sam Ellinger, the athlete that he is, I still think I would really l- love to see him used even once Carson Wentz is back. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. Um, anything else on QBs? Yeah, I think, I think as we go into this final week, I would still say Eason is the, is the favorite to win, win the job because just as what we've seen out of him, like I said, the full body of work, not only in the games, but in, in practices, he's performed better. Ellinger hasn't been as as efficient in practice as well. And and I think your ceiling is higher with, with Jacob Eason. So if you're going to have the two guys that are very close, uh, cho- close together in what you've seen, you're going to go with the guy that gives you not only a better chance to win, but has the higher ceiling. And that's Jacob Eason with his, with his great arm, with his, with his prototypical style of body for the, for mm-hmm. a quarterback position. And, and just, just the way that he, he has been conducting himself, 
this offseason now hopefully hopefully it's not the case and we don't this this is all a mute point because we're going to talk about some some developments and what's happening with Carson Wentz here in a bit but but I would say as of right now I would say as of right now Jacob Eason is still the favorite to win the the quarterback competition between him and Sam Ellinger I did forget one thing Andrew those of us who had to watch on game pass had the uh unfortunate lack of options when it came to uh the commentating and we had the Vikings local commentators uh which was miserable by the way but even they noticed like this guy's ripping this ball I mean he needs to take some of this off that guy was six yards away and I'm like Mm -hmm. that was kind of the first time I really noticed it I know you've mentioned it in the past but like I now I'm starting I was seeing I'm like oh yeah but hey didn't Brett Favre have excuse me a real bad habit of rocking balls even when the receivers were real close he did but he learned to take some off of it and if Eason can't do that then he's gonna he's gonna be in trouble that's just got to be a thing that they can work on you know what I mean I feel like that's a a solvable thing like you just said Brett Favre started taking some off there's no reason Jacob can't figure it out all right moving along here pass rush uh looked real good quitty pay first game first sack how do you what'd you think about the defensive line what'd you think about um the other side of the pass rush as well Quiddy Pay did really well. Uh, Quiddy Pay, he came in. He didn't play very much, but he didn't really need to. He set up his guy multiple times. He he really used that speed rush that, that we've been hearing so much about. Got right around the offensive tackle and sat Kirk Cousins on a drive that, that really Minnesota was making some hay yeah. on. And, and that really stalled the drive because immediately after the sack, you get a tackle for loss by Kari Willis, a long third down. And, and the Vikings are forced to punt after they had quite a few runs that got them good field position so so i was really excited what i saw from quitty pay but this pass rush in general really really had their way with the vikings offensive line yesterday i mean ben banigu ben banigu season is in full effect this dude was a force yesterday i i legit lost count of how many times he had quarterback pressures or quarterback hurries things of that nature it just seemed like he lived in the backfield and we've been hearing all offseason or all training camp really about Ben Banigou, how he is making play after play after play. And it's like, okay, that's great because at first, at last year, he wasn't even making those plays in practice. So that was step number one. But step number two is now you need to start showing it in game action. Now, is he going up against mm-hmm. the starting offensive tackles for the Vikings? No. But we'd be even more worried if he wasn't doing anything against the backup right. linemen. And he's dominating these backup linemen. So that's a very encouraging sign. Um, um, let's see, Al-Qadeen Muhammad and Andrew Brown co- uh, combined for uh, half a sack each. Isaac Rochelle was in the backfield. Chris Williams was getting good pressure up the middle. This entire offensive or defensive line for, for the Indianapolis Colts yesterday really, really took off and really had their way and really was a force yesterday. And it's good to see what they're doing in practice and the success they're having there translate onto the field in, in live game action. Yeah, and what I loved about Quiddy, uh, it wasn't just that sack, but I noticed because that was aside from the quarterbacks, I was watching Quiddy pay. That that was my tell her to get out of there. I see you poking your eyes over there. She walking in the room, Danny. Damn it, um, she's not she's not walking in the room, but she's putting something under the door. She's now she's <laughs> running away. So <laughs> anyway, I was watching my Quiddy beautiful pay. fiance. It, was she giving you Go lunch? Ahead. She's sending you lunch under the door? 
she wrote me a note under the it says she wants ice cream so maybe we'll go get ice cream after Ooh, there this, you go. so we'll see <laughs> uh, pardon the interruption um so <laughs> i yeah i was watching for cody pay and not only did he get that sack but i was watching him on other plays he's he's already demanding a double team i mean they were they were mm-hmm. putting two guys on him and he was swimming through one and rush bum rushing the other one i mean just knocking guys around almost got another sack right after the first one um so yeah he played really well i'm liking what we're seeing out of banagoo um and teray they're looking good um but yeah quiddy pay i think was probably mm, there's there's three things we're real happy about in this game i think he takes the number one spot I would say so because when you when you see that, that I mean that's just we're so excited to see what Quiddy Pay can do and finally have a dominant edge rusher on this yeah. Indianapolis Colts team where we haven't had since Freeney and Mathis and and the thing is too with Quiddy Pay the way he was used at Michigan he didn't have the sack numbers mm-hmm. but the Colts are using him in a completely different manner instead of having line up directly over the tackle they're putting him way outside so he can you get a good good burst on when the ball is snapped and, and then really transfer his his speed to power and that's how he's getting around these offensive linemen it's working beautifully and then then just the way the way the coaches rave about how coachable he is and he never makes the same mistake twice anytime they tell him something it's only a few a few times and he's got it down because yeah. of how intelligent of a player he is very very excited for what quitty pay can bring to this team Left tackle, Andrew, big area of concern until Eric Fisher's back. Uh, but maybe a little glimmer of light in the backup department or, I guess, starting department uh, come week one. Julian Davenport. Not bad. Better game. The guy that I was... The guy that I've been trashing all offseason as being the worst out of these three tackles, and hey, he's been a pleasant surprise, and right. he's playing playing good ball. I mean, yeah. now, I'm not now I'm not going to say he's 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 playing phenomenal ball, but he was yesterday. He showed that he can probably be a suitable suitable replacement or suitable substitute I should say until Eric Fisher is back ha- back healthy. By the way, Eric Fisher has been seen doing more and more drills on the sideline and then after practice. So Eric Fisher, I don't think he's going to be out a full six weeks and be on the pup list. I could see Eric Fisher coming back a lot sooner than people think. So just, just remember that. But, but until then, it seems like Julian Davenport has really kind of taken the reins of this, of this left tackle spot. He's the one that's been getting most of the reps at left tackle with the first team during, during practice. And then he really, he really played, he played, pretty well yesterday he he stayed at left tackle then will holden came in at left tackle still had his struggles julian davenport ended up coming back in and they slid will holden over to left guard and then sam tevy what a disappointment sam tevy has been yeah the colts signed him i mean he was a starter for the chargers last year at left tackle so the colts thought he would be a suitable a suitable guy to be that substitute Fun fact, for fisher the chargers offensive line sucks He's he's been garbage. I mean, that's that's putting it that's putting it just in plain terms. Trash is the kids. They're not even really days. playing him. 
they're put, not even playing him at left tackle, whether it's practice or the game. He's over at right tackle now. And and obviously yeah. when we've got Braden Smith in there, I mean, he, he's not going to see the field unless Braden Smith gets injured. So I'd put Tevi a distant third right now. And that's that's very disappointing for a guy that the Colts thought would be a, would be someone that, that would take over that starting role even before we signed Eric Fisher. Right. Um, so, yeah, I would say Davenport's number one, Holden two, and then Tevi a distant three at this point. Yeah, I would agree with that. But uh, Davenport being the best of the three does crack me up uh, just because you're right. I mean, you were really trashing that guy. I didn't even think about that before we started this conversation. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll admit when I'm wrong, and he's he's definitely proved me wrong. His past tape, when I watched it, it just it really worried me because especially in the run game, and yesterday he, he did struggle in the run game, but in mm. pass protection, he is the better of the three, and he's certainly shown that. So, I mean, if he can keep it up, fantastic. I mean, I'm not going to say that this one-off automatically makes me makes me feel better about the left tackle situation, but, but it does give me a little bit of hope moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you think about, I don't remember who I heard mention this, but, uh, what do you think about the fact that, I mean, that left tackle position is going to be a crutch, but how can we use tight ends, um, over on that left side to help out with the blocking? Is that something you predict that will be happening a lot early in the season? I definitely think so. Until Eric Fisher can come back, you're, you should you'll probably expect to see Jack Doyle or Moali Cox on that left side, mm-hmm. at least providing a chip to yeah. to help out. At this point, Julian Davenport um, in pass protection. A lot of times, you'll see probably the running back go over to that side in case something happens. But they're, Frank Reich's going to scheme it up and and try to help Davenport when he can. When Quentin Nelson comes back, obviously that's going to be a big help. But but yeah, Jack, I think Jack Doyle and Moali Cox will have will have be able to be over there on that left side to provide okay. at least a chip on most plays. All right, Desmond Patman, buddy, uh, good showing in the game. Uh, was open more than we saw because I, the, the QBs just missed him uh, a couple times. They did try to throw to him and missed him, uh, but he's looking good. Um, and you mentioned this weekend too, uh, that he was looking good on special teams, which is going to be a big key to that last wide receiver spot. What are you thinking right now? Patman's looking good. And, and that's, I was very concerned that Patman wasn't going to make this roster just because Ashton Doolin has such a, has such a vital role on special teams. I mean, he's been the gunner on special teams. And for those who don't know, a gunner is when the guys are in punt formation. Um, it's the guys that are on the very outside running down to get the ball, like in the or, wide receiver position to, to block the right in the wide receiver position on the punt team. So Ashton Doolin's been that for, for a couple of years now and because he's, he's got such good speed and he has been good at that position, but Desmond Patman was getting some run at gunner yesterday and he made a good play on special teams. Rigo kicked it deep and, and Patman caught it inside the 10 yard line, I think. So that if, if he can start playing gunner and being a consistent threat and a consistent player and and weapon for the Colts at Gunner. I mean that this competition's not even going to be close because he's going to take away Ashton Doolin's best role because Patman has been showing to be one of the favorite wide receivers 
for the Colts in the preseason. Yeah. I mean, whether it's short, whether it's those crossing routes, Patman's been able to do it all, and he's been he's been successful doing it. So as long as Patman can keep this up, and if he carves out a role on special teams, because for these wide receivers on the back end of the roster, you got to play special teams. Otherwise, you're not going to make the team. So if he can do that, I don't think this competition will be close. And I think Patman right now, at least, has surpassed Doolin for that final wide receiver spot, for wide receiver six on this Colts roster. Yeah. And in case you missed it, that's because Mike Strawn we've pushed up to number five. Uh, he is number five on the depth chart. He's actually only one spot behind T.Y. Hilton uh, on that side of the ball, according to the Colts depth chart online, which don't get us wrong, guys. I'm, I'm in no way saying he takes T.Y. Hilton's job anytime in the near future. Uh, but Desmond Patman, dude, we well, haven't, we haven't yeah. heard. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we know the Colts really like Desmond Patman yep. and like his potential because while he hardly, he didn't play, he played two snaps all last year. It wasn't like the Colts were keeping him on the practice squad. They kept him on the active yeah. roster so that no other team could poach him off right. of their team. So the Colts really like Desmond Patman and he's, he's proven that he, I mean, if you've watched Michael Pittman Jr.'s YouTube videos, Patman's been along his side just working his butt off all offseason. And he's a quiet yeah. guy. He's a guy that really puts in the work, and, and we're starting to see that on the field. Yeah, what I was going to say, Andrew, was we, did, we didn't hear his name much in camp. We talked about that leading up, but we've heard his name in mm -hmm. both of these preseason games. Um, you know, and, and mm -hmm. I'd rather shine in a game situation than a practice situation personally. So uh, the days he's definitely needed to show up to be able to take that sixth spot he has. Um, another thing, Andrew, that I've been asked by some people um, since the game, uh, the kicking competition. Competition. Um, so basically what I tell them is Eddie Pinheiro is – getting a favor done for him by the Colts where the Colts are allowing him to go out on the field and give other teams proof that he can make field goals because there's no way he's taking hot rod spot. You agree with that statement? As of right now, I mean, neither kicker has missed in preseason training camp. They, they're, they're perfect so far. Yeah. And as long as they stay perfect, this isn't going to stay a competition. Hot Rod's going to win it. But I do like what the Colts are doing, and they're sending Pinheiro out there for a reason. I really think they're sending him out there and showing, and showing the rest of the league that this guy can do it. I mean, you never know. Colts could get an extra sixth or seventh round right. pick if a team is in a kicking situation. When when the season starts, they need a reliable kicker. Pinheiro's shown that he's a reliable kicker. You never know. Chris Ballard might be able to work his magic. But, yeah, as of right now, I mean, unless something big happens next week where Hot Rod misses all of his kicks, I mean, yeah. Blankenship's going to be the kicker for the Colts this year. Yeah, that was my opinion as well. I, I literally I told somebody, I was like, I think they're just putting him out there so – I mean, it's a favor for him, too. Other trade teams bait. are going to see him, whether we get a trade mm -hmm. bait and whether we get uh, – speaking of trade bait, Jordan Wilkins, by the way. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> he, he looked good in last week's game. But, okay, yeah, he's going to be the kicker. Let's move along. Colts news, we got some uh, special news, some special today news. Um, this just in. Carson Wentz, Quentin Nelson, and Ryan Kelly – are all going to begin practicing this week in a limited capacity. I really want to get a Lucas Oil, like, fans recording. Like, so it's actually our fans cheering when I hit the applause <laughs> button. But anyway, God, listen to me. Carson Wentz, Quentin Nelson, and Ryan Kelly could be practicing this week. Not 
full on, but they're going to be there taking reps. Yeah. And this, this is, this is pretty big because they, while they've been standing there at practice, they haven't been participating. You see, you know, Carson Wentz is ready to get back because even on the place he's practicing his dropbacks, he's, he's out there talking to the quarterbacks between each and every rep. Now, I don't know when it says Frank Reich said in a limited capacity, I don't know if that means they are going to be taking reps. I don't know if that means they're just going to be participating in, in individual drills. I'm sure the Colts are going to be cautious on this, but, but to be three tomorrow on Monday will be three weeks out since Carson Wentz had surgery. Tuesday will be three weeks for Quentin Nelson for them to be practicing on a limited basis like that. It's, it's pretty incredible. And it just shows not only the work they put in, but it shows how confident and how, how, what what him and the Colts think of how the rehab process is going. This is a big week for, for Carson Wentz and, and Quentin Nelson, because this is really going to be the first time that that foot is, is really, is really stressed and, and they put a lot of pressure and, and see how far they can go on it. So as long as the foot responds well for both of those guys, it really, really seems. And I would say it's, it's a good bet. They play week one, as long as everything goes well this week and, and they respond well to, to, to the limited work in practice so it's it's very encouraging it's excellent news i said something about ryan kelly uh this morning and then more the carson and quentin news came later and i was like well shit i I didn't i wasn't on top of that one like you were um ryan kelly's very i mean he's very close to being 100 percent back so i would say he is close he's obviously closer than than wenson he's closer to being back full practice Right. Absolutely. And and that's going to be huge to get the quarterback of the offensive line back in Ryan Kelly. Yeah. Uh, some roster moves. These are most of these cuts came, you know, on the first cut day after preseason game one, uh, tight end Graham Adamidis, uh, running back Darius Anderson, defensive end, Demontre Moore, wide receiver, Wartney Davis and cornerback, uh, Nick Nelson. Uh, got us down to 85 players. Um, it, nobody listening to the show probably knows who any of those guys are. Most of the people, <laughs> let me say, no, no. definitely most of the people right. on this show. I only recognize a couple of those names. So those are just typical camp most, cuts. Yeah. Most of the guys, I mean, nothing nothing real surprising here. On Tuesday, the Colts will go down to 80, so five more guys will be cut. And then the, the two, uh, Tuesday after the Detroit game will be the final cut down August 31st where they go to 53. Right. Um, and then Andrew apparently didn't realize I had already put in notes about Ryan Kelly, just didn't care about my notes. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> Or we'll move it along. All right. Anything else on the Colts, Andrew? <laughs> I don't think so. Like I said, last last week of, of camp, last week when the, it's going to end with that preseason game against Detroit, and I think all eyes really are going to be on the quarterback competition and then on Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson. So uh, really – it's it's not a preseason or it's not a camp without constant drama um, for the Indianapolis Colts, it seems. Yeah, absolutely. It's ridiculous every year. I hope next year is so boring. I hope we are literally clawing <laughs> for something to talk about next year. All right, AFC South uh, preview. Andrew, thank God this is the last one. I'm not doing this next year. I'm telling you all right now, I'm not doing this next year. I hate doing the research for this. You're so excited about this, and and now you hate it. I, do, I, I, I remember that the same thing happened last year. 
like I got like into three the third week of this or so. Like I think it was like the third week, and I was like, oh my god, I remember. I remember I don't want to do this anymore. Um, it's just so monotonous and 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 repetitive, and it does get quite boring. Um, especially when I don't much give a shit about any of these teams that I talk about. So uh, AFC South, we're not going to talk about the Colts. Obviously, you guys know we've already talked. I mean, we talk about them enough, right? Um, <laughs> AFC South faces the AFC East and the NFC West this year. Um, let's start with the Titans. By the way, my tracker I usually use was all screwed up when I did my research the other day. Um, it wouldn't let me show like players that left the team. It was only the signings, uh, which was really weird. So I did my best. So if you hear or think of any that I don't bring up about team guys leaving the team, just, uh, chime in. Titans, 11-5 last season, same as the Colts, but they edged us out, won the division. Uh, won't be happening this year, but they did pick up off and outside linebacker uh, Bud Dupree. They got Danico Autry. Uh, cornerback Janoris Jenkins. Right tackle Kendall Lamb. And, hey, this is just an old Colts name, and I you know, personal, personally know his sister. Uh, Matthias Farley is also now a Tennessee Titan. Back in the AFC South for him. Um, Bud Dupree, that's the, I think Bud Dupree and Danico Autry are the two names that you see on there and go, oof, (laughs) don't love it. I don't love playing these guys two times a year. Yeah. Well, Bud Dupree is coming off that ACL injury. So that's going to be interesting to see how he, how he can go this season. Uh, but Danico Autry, I mean, yeah, big, big blow. The Colts couldn't get him back. Hopefully we it, we can replace that with the guys we have. But Danico Autry, when he was signed, said he was going to take a personal and and really give it his all. So that I mean that's going to be a fun matchup to watch um, when we play Tennessee for sure. Uh, but I, I mean I'd still put my money on the Colts offensive line. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think players carry that. They don't. They don't hold the grudges like they used to back in the day because there's too. There's too many friends on other teams and back on your old team. And I, I'm not too worried about Danico Autry fucking Carson Wentz up to be completely honest. But we'll hopefully not. Uh, Malcolm Butler's gone. Adam Humphrey's gone. Adoree Jackson gone. And Corey Davis. I think that's, um, in my opinion, the biggest loss there is Corey Davis. Um, basically, Julio Jones size if I'm not mistaken, um, had a really good year last year. Um, couldn't keep him around, but they were willing to pay Julio Jones some money to come play for him. So we'll see what their receiver position does. Um, AJ Brown though, absolute animal that we got to worry about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you forgot John U. Smith. I mean, the tight end uh, yes. for, for see, Tennessee. I told you I forget. John, U. John, John o. Smith was was fantastic, and and when you put it together, the numbers yeah. that Corey Davis and John o. Smith put together was like 110 receptions or something like that. Jeez. It's a big part of their offense that that the Titans lost in both those guys. Yeah. And and are you going to really count on Julio to take this to step up and cover the the production of both those guys? I don't know. I mean, I Julio's so. great, but I don't know if he can do that. No, Julio Jones is. Uh... He's going to go down the field and, and give you big chunk plays, um, but he's not going to be catch after catch. He's not even going to be touchdown after touchdown. I mean, there was a year, a couple years ago, he was still scoring outrageous fantasy numbers. It was actually kind of crazy, but he was putting up good fantasy numbers, but hadn't seen the end zone the entire season through like nine weeks or something. 
Um, draft. They had seven picks, round one, pick 22, cornerback Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, who we talked about coming off an injury. Um, but if he is able to stay healthy, he was probably the best cornerback talent in the draft. Um, offensive tackle in round two. I don't remember talking about this guy, Andrew. Dylan Radins, Radunes from North Dakota State. Did we, we didn't talk about Dylan him. Radunes. He he's from North Dakota State, a uh, big guy, real big guy, and, and a quite a pretty good athlete. Um, I thought that he he was about a second round pick, and and I I mean I had looked at his tape, and it's it was okay, decent, um, nothing to get too crazy about. But uh, he mm-hmm. was kind of in that that same maybe like Sam Cosby, Liam Eichenberg area that that second round talent that you could possibly take a flyer on. Uh, schedule, they've got three primetime games, a bye in week 13, and uh, a Monday night football game hosting the Bills on week six. Love that. They've had kind of a, a solid rivalry now these last couple of years since Josh Allen's been around. Um, and they get they have to go to the Rams uh, week nine. I think that'll be a real good football game, that defensive line against uh, Derrick Henry. Yeah, I'm a fan of that. Game. And the Titans' offensive line isn't isn't that good, so no. they're they're, they're going to have some struggles. Notice against, against notice, I said the Rams' defensive line against Derrick Henry. I didn't say against the Titans' offensive line. <laughs> right, that's yeah. a good point. So we go from two teams in the AFC South, Andrew, at eleven and five, and drop all the way down to the Texans, four and twelve. Uh, our division, we went into last year saying that we thought maybe we were the best one of the best divisions in football did not pan out that way. Uh, <laughs> but I do remember saying like, I'm telling you AFC South three real good teams and the Jaguars uh, didn't work out that way. Um, they picked up a lot of signings. I mean, just so many. So I went through and I just kind of picked out the best, you know, the most popular names, the most money though, that they spent, even though it, not per year, but just the most money they spent on somebody new was a new punter. They signed a new punter on a three-year, $8 million deal. Uh, <laughs> they got Tyrod Taylor, Philip Lindsay, and Mark Ingram. I, th- I think that's interesting. Their offensive line isn't very good, so it doesn't matter. Uh, all-star backup quarterback Jeff Driscoll uh, and Rex Burkhead. <laughs> so just some big names. Nobody that you're like, oh, man, great player, still in the prime of their career. Uh, but it'll work. Um, gone. JJ Watts cut. Uh, the Watson drama is still going on. Obviously we don't know what's going to happen with him. He probably doesn't play this year anywhere. Definitely not there. Um, am I missing anybody on the gone list, Andrew, that you can think of? That matters. Not uh, Will Fuller. Will Fuller uh, yep. went to the Miami. the Dolphins. Um, but yeah, I mean the Texans. The Texans are in bad shape. And Deshaun Watson. Who knows what's going to happen? I I agree with you at this point. That it's. I don't even know if he'll play a game for for anybody this year. Not just the Texans. So it's they're they're not looking at a fun year. They're really yeah. not. The weird thing is that he's not been put on the commissioner's exempt list or anything yet. Like. The NFL is just shutting up and, and making the Texans deal with it until they absolutely have to do something about it. Uh, they, I don't think the NFL wants them to get traded. I don't think they want to give people a timeline because I don't think they want them in the news. I think the NFL is like, hey, Texans, do us a favor and try to keep this you know, as quiet as possible for a while. We don't want to deal with it. Um, the draft. Five picks. Schedule. <laughs> 
They didn't have any first round picks. They didn't have any first round picks. I don't think they had a pick to like the third round. Third round. And I didn't recognize a single name they drafted. So move it along to the schedule. Uh, They have one primetime game. Well-deserved a bye in week 10. And I don't care to watch any of their football games that don't involve us. Um, (laughs) Not a a single game on there makes it go, ooh, no storyline games, nothing. Nothing good. Jaguars, 1-15 last year. Um, look at me hitting all three transitions this week. Um, free agency, they pick up Shaquille Griffin, cornerback from Seattle, three-year, $40 million. That's That's the, the, the twin um, with all of his extremities, correct? That is correct. Okay. That's, that's I'm sorry. Put it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but did you see the video of Madden where his brother with only one hand intercepted the football with the army doesn't have a hand and was carrying the football. I do. Big, I did see big that. Big time mistake by Madden. I mean, they can't change the, you know, the mechanics of the game for one guy. It's not funny, but I'm sure he saw that video and he probably laughed about it. He's a pretty good sport. I've seen like, I've seen like stories done on him and his brother. He's a good guy. He'd, he'd laugh too. Um, Safety, Rishon Jenkins from the Chargers, four-year, $35 million deal. Defensive tackle, Roy Robertson-Harris. Marvin Jones, good receiver, Marvin Jones. Um, Just did a fantasy draft, and I don't know if anybody ended up picking him, but he was... He had the most touchdowns on, on the remaining receivers list that we had, like, for a good chunk of that draft. Um, Carlos Hyde as well. Anybody on that list, Andrew, make you go, you know what, I'm not so sure I'm going to love playing the Jaguars this year. Free agency. I really think Marvin Jones is, I think Marvin Jones is really, is going to be a real asset for, for Trevor Lawrence because yeah. I mean, you've got, you got DJ shark, you've got LaVishka Chanel, but there wasn't really that veteran wide receiver in that group. Mm-hmm. In comes Marvin Jones and Marvin Jones is a professional. I mean, he has success with the lions and, and it, it just gives a very reliable target and almost like a security blanket for Trevor Lawrence to throw to. And so I think, I think that'll probably be out, out of their, all of their, um, offensive sightings he's probably the best and then obviously uh Shaquille Griffin is is a pretty good cornerback and I, I wasn't I wouldn't mind if the Colts were looking at him because I think he's a good zone corner um so I think him opposite of CJ Henderson um that that's a pretty good pretty good pretty good top two corners for the I for thought the he was a good I thought he was a good character fit for the Colts too um I've heard nothing yeah. good things about those guys um draft nine picks round one pick one Trevor Lawrence quarterback out of Clemson we know. Uh, thanks a lot, Jets. Uh, also, Trevor Lawrence weapons. I We talked about this not too long ago. LaVishka Chenault came on in the end of the season last year. Um, almost put us away. LaVishka Chenault, I mean, single-handedly, was having a game against us the second time we played the Jaguars. So um, Trevor Lawrence has got no shortage of weapons, especially with pick 25 in the first round. Travis Etienne running back, running back out of Clemson. So some familiarity there for him. Um, I think it's hilarious that what's the, what's his dick, uh, urban Meyer is the, their head coach. I think that's hilarious. Um, for Trevor too. I bet that's just funny. Cause didn't they, I was urban retired already by the time Trevor came around. It was close. It was right around. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I know. I know Urban did recruit Trevor though. And knows, no, no, we young very well okay. before this process. Cornerback Tyson Campbell out of Georgia in round two. 
Uh, their schedule, I'm actually, I'm actually shocked by this, but I mean, you just have to laugh at the NFL if they if they do more than this one primetime game that they got. They also did get a morning game against uh, somebody uh, over in Europe. I can't remember who they're playing. Uh, they get a bye week in week seven. At Cincinnati, week four, Andrew, do you know why I picked this game as a notable game? Joe Burrow. It's because Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence versus Joe Burrow. Hell yeah. That's a football game I'd like to watch. Um, and then against Miami, week six. Tua against Trevor Lawrence. Uh, excited about those matchups. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Andrew, what's your prediction for the way the AFC South shakes out this year? Yeah, real, real quick, just on Trevor Lawrence. Go I ahead. mean, I, I mean, the kid's are incredible. I mean, and, I, and I'm very disappointed that we're going to have to play him twice a year for the next 15 to 20 years. Hopefully the Jaguars just screw up their team and he ends up wanting to leave when his rookie deal is up. Um, well, shit, but, maybe but, yeah, before his rookie deal is up. Yeah, you never know. But uh, the way I see it, I mean, like it's going to come down to how it was last year. It's going to be a battle between the Colts and the Titans for the AFC South. I think you and I both think that that Julio Jones on on the Titans, while well, it is a big move, and we we both respect the hell out of Julio Jones and think he's a phenomenal yeah. player. The the, the the Titans defense is just it's, it looks bad. It yeah. really does. They they've got problems along the offensive line, and and I think I, I've told you this before. Arthur Smith, he was the one that resurrected Ryan Tannehill's career. I think him going to Atlanta that's going to be a bigger loss than a lot of people think. I think the Colts win the division, then we're going to go Titans. The Jaguars will finish third in Trevor Lawrence's rookie year, and then the dumpster fire in Houston with the Texans will be fourth. Yeah, I knew we were going to have the same order on that one this year um unless the mm-hmm. the jaguars are the ones that actually scare me a little bit i don't i don't think they threaten for first but if i'm if i'm the titans because i'm just, we're, listen we got it locked up afc south owned by the colts we're lock it up <laughs> take it home colts are winning the afc south I, if i'm the titans i'm a little worried about the jaguars uh because i i do think that team um Although, obviously, new coaching this year. Uh, they started to kind of figure something out a little bit at the end of the year, especially with their young receivers. Um, like you said, adding a veteran presence with Marvin Jones to that receiver group, a, a Trevor Lawrence uh, who is competing for that starting job with uh, – <laughs> I can't even think of his name right now, and it's not even serious. Um, Minshew, Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew. Yeah. Uh, and Urban Meyer, I think I, – we'll see. We'll see. Urban Meyer could stink. In the NFL. Could happen. Uh, let's go around to some news around the league, Andrew, uh, and then a little hard knacks recap. Um, Seahawks and safety Jamal Adams agreed to a four-year, $70 million extension, highest paid safety in the league. Um, he's real good at football. Uh, did he Did he show up with a cigar again at when he signed his extension when he went and did interviews? I'm not sure if he did or not. I I know that though this was it was kind of getting dicey whether the yeah. Seahawks and Jamal Adams were going to get this done, but but at the end of the day he is he's he's one of the best safeties in the league. He's in the prime of his career, so you're going to have to pay him top dollar. So, uh good for both sides, I guess, and uh, Jamal Jamal Adams obviously worthy of that top dollar amount for for safeties in the NFL. Yep. Uh Bears announce Rookie offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins is to have this is this was not on the list, I feel like. Oh yeah, it was. Uh to have back surgery. Could could be out for the year. 
Um, and the Jets defensive end Carl Lawson torn Achilles in practice out for the year. I'm sick of these torn Achilles. Been a lot of them. I'm sick of them. They're disgustingly terrifying. Um, yeah, your family just had an Achilles situation. Uh, Kevin Durant, that's the one I'm thinking that I remember that like you could see it in the replay when it popped. Get me out of here. Not a fan of that. Uh, Achilles injury, gruesome stuff. Yeah, and the thing it's it just it's very it's very sad for Carl Lawson too. I mean, yeah. we talked about him before free agency. We thought he would have been a great fit with the Colts, an emerging young pass rusher, and and he got paid for it by the Jets. And he he was probably all the reports coming out of Jets camp was Carl Lawson was one of their top players and was showing that he deserved that money. And they had really yeah. high hopes for him, and and just a, a non-contacting Achilles goes down, and it's just a brutal. That's it's one of the most brutal injuries you can have for a pass rusher too just because of all the explosion that yeah. they they require coming out of the coming out of the stance and 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 when the snap of the ball happens so um hopefully hopefully he makes a full recovery because the kid, he's a good kid and and he really deserves to have a good long career in the nfl yeah all right andrew hard knocks uh i thought it was a good episode i enjoyed it um i have come to find out that apparently me and zeke elliott have more in common than i ever knew uh, dude didn't know how to wrap his wrap the presents uh, in episode one. One of the most relatable things I've ever seen. Um, and then he needed the baby powder on the sideline. Oh my god, was I rolling when he needed the baby powder because his butt was chafing, dude. He said, he Seriously. said, he, he said, my, my, my gooch is hurting. That was, that made me crack up. It yeah. was, what a great line, but Zeke Elliott is becoming very, very relatable and just, just a lot of fun by this. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, you, you, yeah, you see, I mean, obviously a lot of people hate the Cowboys. I know you're definitely one of them. You really can't stand the Cowboys, yeah. but, but looking at this, I mean, they're players, they're, they're just seem they're a lot of them seem really down to earth and a lot of them relatable and fun like and we're really finding that out with zeke elliott yeah he's a lot more fun than i thought and then the seat the sunflower seeds wrap it up man me and zeke <laughs> best pals sunflower <laughs> seeds on the sideline that was cracking me up um dak prescott though you mentioned uh carson wentz being out on the field andrew during practice and getting mental reps in and kind of walking through his drops and whatnot granted he's got a shoulder injury right now not a lower body injury so he's a little more mobile than Carson is right now but Dak Prescott's getting those mental reps in he's he's on it he wants to be in the game he he wants to play um I'm pretty sure that everyone on that team hates Mike McCarthy though I know I, I, I was getting that I mean I, I was getting that aura that that feeling too that it's just they there's something about when people around Mike McCarthy uh, on the Cowboys team, I mean, it's just the way they act isn't, isn't, it doesn't seem right. Cause I mean, you're watching on the Colts sidelines or you hear when people are mic'd up Frank Reich going around and it seems like they genuinely love yeah. Frank Reich and really respected. They love joking around with him. When Mike McCarthy comes and says stuff, I mean, people keep quiet. They, they don't really look at him. You don't see the camaraderie. It, it just and, doesn't feel like he, he really connects with that team. And, and why is all the communication between him and Dak going through like a third person? Like, I feel like they don't, talk they don't communicate they're not the head coach and the quarterback should be a lot more meshed whether it's an offensive coach or not mike mccarthy's terrible speech by the way for a fucking preseason game too by the way uh terribly unmotivated none of those guys are sitting there like 
Are we done? Let nobody give a shit. But yeah, <laughs> why why is the head coach not talking to his quarterback? Weird. I I don't know. And because I guess I mean we're used to the Colts with Frank Reich being attached and their quarterback being attached to the hip. I mean, you see with Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz follows Frank Reich around the entire practice. Uh Philip Rivers was was super close. Jacoby Brissett, Andrew Luck. It doesn't matter what quarterback it is. If it, Frank Reich and them are just having a, a fantastic relationship. And it, it is very strange to see Mark Mike McCarthy tell somebody to go tell Dak something. Um yeah. but I really want I do want to touch on those mental reps because I think it's a good experience for people. I mean, they hear, they hear quarterbacks taking mental reps, but they might not know what that means. It's not like they're just laying in bed and imagining what's going to happen. So at practice, Dak is watching what's going on. He acts like he's going to read the defense. And then he, while the play is happening, he scans the field and he decides where he would have thrown yeah. the ball. And it kind of, it just makes them go through that exercise at that live speed in their mind of what they would do, what he would change here, what, what defense they're rolling in, what, what, cues of the defense going and that, and it definitely helps it keeps your mind sharp so that way when you do start doing those live reps or even those walkthrough reps back on the field you're you're still used to that game speed and that's very very important for a quarterback yeah um i forget what I was, oh it, man he was kind of hard on that backup quarterback last week though the, the week before <laughs> i know where he talked about it, he goes i didn't fuck i didn't say shit about Buddy. you getting in there he goes i didn't i didn't ask for you to go Buddy. in <laughs> If you think he was hard, can you imagine Peyton seeing Manning. a practice of Peyton Manning? That was yeah. nothing to compare right. to what Peyton would do. Um, I, yeah, I just feel like Mike McCarthy isn't just being Mike McCarthy. I think he's being, I'm the Dallas Cowboys head coach. I can't imagine this is the way he acted for, with the Packers. You know what I mean? I just can't imagine it. So, um, Micah Parsons, is that that linebacker's name? Do you imagine uh-huh. the way he's been acting every time he has to go out of the game, which is hilarious, by the way? Do you imagine that's how Quiddy Pay was yesterday? You think it's the same conversation? Probably not. I mean, I mean, I'm sure Quiddy Pay wanted to play more, oh, but yeah. it almost seems like that's how Darius Leonard. That's how Darius Leonard would be. Quiddy Pay. Quiddy Pay is kind of like the same demeanor as DeForest Buckner, a quiet mm-hmm. guy, uh, real, real, real calm demeanor on the sidelines. But but Michael Parsons remind me just of, of that Darius Leonard, like always want to be out there, always want to be going, high energy guy. That's that's yeah. what he reminds me of. Kind of, it kind of pisses me off, like just thinking about the veteran guys that are like i don't want to play in the damn preseason blah 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 you know what i mean it kind of reminds you like hey there's guys that still love this game and they they want to take every snap they can even a preseason game love that mm-hmm. um we have i can't remember his name now of course um the one where his mom was at the game um he was a refugee kamara yeah that poor guy's not going to make the team do you know why i know that because hbo's <laughs> making us fall in love with him and then he's not going to make the team and we're all going to be so sad he was on the practice squad last year, but it was great to see his family. That that's that's the thing I love about. I mean, I mean, I've only watched Hard Knocks for a couple seasons, but that's the thing I love about Hard Knocks is yeah. finding the backstories of these these guys that nobody else knows about, yeah. and and watching them just just slug it through camp and give it their all. And Kamara, I felt so bad that the kid gets a sack, a strip fumble, yeah. and it pretty much wins the game. And then they call a false start, which false starts should be able to be declined in the NFL. I think it's absolutely absurd that, yeah. that you can't decline a false start penalty. Well, it's because um, of yeah, false start, the place there. was to stop. 
play is supposed to stop, but, yeah. but in the case that it doesn't, I mean, you should be able to decline it. That's stupid. Yeah. So I thought I, 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 I'm really liking Kamara and I hope he makes it, man. He, he looks, he looks, uh, I mean, his tape doesn't look great. I mean, just practice. Yeah. He looks very uncoordinated out Ooh, there. And then he, he accidentally really hit the put it together. Excellent. He, he yeah. grazed the quarterback, and they they did not Who like that. You did not get close to the quarterback. Who judged my fucking quarterback? <laughs> you don't get close to the quarterback in yeah. practice. No. But, yeah, I, I mean, I'm rooting for Kamara. I hope he makes the team. I mean, the poor guy's getting ragdolled by these offensive linemen. They're just so much bigger than him. He finally gets this he, path. He's only about uh, – he's yeah. Oh, He's tough. only about 230 pounds, so that's that's like I mean Darius Leonard plays at 215, but Darius Leonard's the maniac as well. So He's also not it's, a it's a little bit different man. there. Yeah, it's tough, uh, but yeah. it's a good season so far. I think I, other people you weren't too impressed <laughs> with last week's episode. I didn't think it was bad, but um, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I, really, I think for the Cowboys really like this week. I think for the Cowboys with Jerry Jones, we're getting a little more back story than I expected. So maybe that's why we view it differently. Colin Cowherd, I, I, after the episode, he was talking this week, and he said, "Congratulations to the Cowboys. You guys are boring, and then that's that's a compliment because boring franchises are the ones that win. So continue to be boring." And and I mean, I really like this episode as well because I I think Hard Knocks, at least for me, it's about seeing the behind the scenes stuff and really learning the stuff about the players that we don't normally learn. I mean, like Kamara and his family, seeing Zeke and, and, and Dak's demeanor in practice. Um, even talking about CD Lamb, seeing how CD Lamb is absolutely being an, a monster in in training camp practice. So uh, CD Lamb's about to burst on the scene and be a superstar wide receiver. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I want to see out of Hard Knocks, and that's that's what we got in this episode. I really enjoyed it. Yep. All right. Uh, oh, the English, the English uh, defensive was he the D coordinator or defensive line coach? Defensive defensive line coach. We got to see former Colt uh, Terrell Basham. Yeah, it was uh, uh, impersonating him. That was pretty funny. Hilarious that when he walks in and they were in the middle. <laughs> oh my god, everybody's worst nightmare. <laughs> that dude take he, that dude's a champ though. He took it well. Um, go follow us on Instagram, yeah. Twitter, Facebook at the Educated Fan underscore. Um, we have been gaining a lot of followers. We have been gaining some more interaction, uh, and we appreciate that. Um, we hope that continues. We hope it, uh, increases even, um, Andrew, anything to, to say to our lovely followers before we head out? Yeah. Well, I mean, I greatly appreciate all you guys following along. Like you said, Brandon has been, has been killing it with Instagram and he's been, even been taking over some of the Twitter. We've been gaining a lot of followers and hope you guys are in, enjoying the show. Cause yeah, for three weeks from tonight, three weeks from tonight, the Colts, are playing the Seattle Seahawks in week one. So we're, we're about to regular season football, and it's it's getting real exciting. That just means I have so much shit to do because I we're moving home that weekend. I just have so much shit to do still. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, Andrew, uh, you know, Sports Illustrated intern now. He's too, you know, focused on his own Twitter to keep up with the Educated Fan one now. I don't think he's tweeted Listen. from the Educated Fan in a month. Personally, uh, he just goes on there and retweets, retweets his own tweets. Um, doesn't send you guys any more news. <laughs> so I'm doing my best to, you know, manage all of our social media, produce this entire show. Um, you know, while Andrew just writes up a quick outline, doesn't work on this show anymore. He's too big time for us now, but 
Who knows? Maybe one day we'll both be big time. (laughs) Um, All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you listening. Um, We look forward to talking to you guys next week. And until then, God bless you all. God bless football. And go Colts. Go Colts. I fucking love football and I love you guys.